What's going on, Football MD fam? Welcome back to episode 51 of the Football MD podcast. Dan, we're on the other side of 50 now. Now we're on the road to our 100th episode. It might take us a little bit to get there, but you know, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How about you? I'm doing well, but I think it's about to get a little bit worse because we're returning to our Under the Microscope series today, which I've loved doing up to this point, but (laughs) we're discussing arguably next to kickers the grossest position in fantasy football today and that is the hold up tight i end. think i think tight end is definitely way more gross than i th- i you know i think so. i think so too because kickers because there were a few tight ends that actually broke my heart in 2018 trey burton especially but we'll get to him in a little bit <laughs> so like we've been doing for the quarterbacks running backs and wide receivers if you haven't listened to them already go back check out those episodes we're giving in-depth looks at every position from the 2018 season finding out how players really performed for fantasy and as always make sure you're following us at football md pod on instagram twitter and facebook and heading over to footballmdpodcast.com because my co-host dan here finally after a long wait we have the mock draft 2.0 releasing yeah and sorry for the delay guys it really it got a little crazy for me. I kept going through it multiple times. I can't tell you how many times I got to pick 28 and then start it all over again because I just I didn't like the way I felt about it. I finally, finally love it. I'm excited to drop it for you guys, release it to you guys this weekend. Hope you guys enjoy it. Definitely be on the lookout for that. But in the meantime, we have some tight ends to get through. And why was this position so gross? Well, seven of the top 12 tight ends from 2018 scored less than seven fantasy points in 50% or more of their games played. At every other position, a top 12 guy is usually reliable week to week, but we all know seven points in fantasy, and this is PPR leagues as well. That's just not cutting it. And seven of the top 12 failed to surpass that mark in more than half of their games played. And there was really just a huge drop off after the first few tight ends, especially our tight end one from the 2018 season, who scored 83.5 more fantasy points than the number five tight end. And that is Kansas City Chiefs tight end, Travis Kelsey, who was really everything you can ask for at tight end. This was his third consecutive season with over 1,000 yards. He's the second tight end to ever accomplish that feat, right along there with Panthers tight end Greg Olson. And his 103 receptions for 1,336 yards and 10 touchdowns, that would have equated to the wide receiver nine in fantasy. So this guy was a stud regardless of what position you put him at. You could have started him in your flex and been perfectly fine every single week. And he's one of the reasons why I'm going to be looking for a tight end early in my fantasy drafts next year, but I actually think this next guy that we're going to be getting into might end up being the better value. Yeah, and that's the number two tight end from the 2018 season, Zach Ertz. He's a great player that got all the opportunity in the world due to injuries on the Philadelphia offense, but he remains a target machine as he has been and was in 2018 with 156 targets. That makes him the sixth most targeted player on the season. He had eight targets in 12 of his 16 games last season that's a lot of targets I do think that 156 comes down a little next season he literally doubled the targets of the next most targeted guy on the team so they're gonna have to spread the ball around more equally in 2019 but the Eagles offense literally ran through Ertz in 2018 he did average 10 points less when playing on the road but he was still lights out one of the very few consistent options at the position. Yeah, and he dealt with a little bit of quarterback turmoil as well, of course, with Carson Wentz going down. And Carson Wentz and Zach Ertz, that connection is as legit as it gets. So 2019 are going to be another blow-up year for Ertz, I'm sure. And I think this number three guy, I almost feel like I should let you talk about him because 
I think you're going to end up wanting George Kittle over Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz in 2019. That's kind of your guy. George Kittle, I would absolutely make the number one tight end on my draft board. To me, he is the all-around best tight end that we have in the league today. We said preseason that Kittle was a potential breakout candidate at the tight end position, but I don't think either of us really expected a season where he broke the tight end record for receiving yards on his way to posting the 14th best fantasy season all time at the position. He also led the position with the fewest games under 10 fantasy points with five such games, which is impressive considering how volatile the position is. He offered you a lot of consistency. What went right for Kittle? He was a yards after catch monster, leading the NFL with 870 yards after the catch. The guy was making plays all year long, and he even set the pro football focus record for yards per route run for a tight end in a single season, the best since pro football focus started grading in 2006. And this actually kind of works out because you got to talk about your guy, and now I get to talk about our number four tight end on the season, Indianapolis Colts, Eric Ebron and... We finally got the Eric Ebron breakout year that we've been waiting for since he entered the NFL. The big concern entering the season was the Colts' already established tight end Jack Doyle who dealt with injuries throughout the season, but even in Ebron's six games with Doyle on the field, he averaged 3.67 targets, 3 receptions, 38 yards, and 1.2 touchdowns in those games. The touchdowns are impressive, the receptions and yardage not overly impressive, but for a tight end, you'll definitely take that. And it certainly helps that only the Ravens ran more two tight end sets than the Colts in 2018. So there was plenty of work to go around, even with both of those guys on the field. But Eric Ebron quickly became a favorite red zone target of comeback player of the year, Andrew Luck, scoring at least one touchdown in 10 of his 16 games on his way to leading the position with 13 touchdowns on the season. Yeah, he was an absolute touchdown monster last year. It'll be interesting to see now with the addition of Devin Funchess, if he can maintain that red zone threat ability in 2019. Up next is Jared Cook. Here at number five, we get our first player that we really have to take an under the microscope look at to understand his 2018 season. Jared Cook had four 100 yard games, but it was not pretty outside of those performances. He scored less than seven fantasy points in half of his games played and almost eight fewer fantasy points when playing on the road. So if you had Jared Cook as your tight end in 2018, he certainly didn't feel like an elite option at the position. But like we said, after those top four tight ends, things start to get ugly fast. That's just the volatility of the position, and it certainly doesn't get any prettier from here. But keep in mind with Jared Cook, I actually think with the Saints, he has a lot of potential. He has a much better quarterback throwing him the football, a lot of weapons on the offense to take the pressure off of him. Cook at times seemed like the focal point of the Raiders offense last year. That's not going to be his role in 2019. He's going to be more of a complimentary piece and I think that might be that might be to his benefit next year. Yeah, and of course he had those games more than 50% that really crushed you, but you know, four 100 plus yard games, at least you're getting upside at the tight end position that really isn't available after this point. So you kind of got to trade the good with the bad here, and at least you're getting some upside at the tight end position. But like you said, it definitely is not going to get any better from here on out. At number six, we have Falcons tight end Austin Hooper. And to put this drop off into perspective, Austin Hooper, the tight end six, scored 87.2 fewer fantasy points than George Kittle, the tight end three, and 115.6 fewer fantasy points than Travis Kelsey, the tight end one. Are you really trying to hate on my boy Hoop? Really? He flashed at some time, like weeks five and six. He was pretty impressive. My boy who? 
weeks, really? weeks five and six, he was pretty good. Other than that, it was <laughs> man. But I'm actually gonna I'm gonna say a few good things about him here because it was kind of a weird year production wise for Hooper, who caught 71 of his 88 targets. That 80.7 percent catch rate was the fourth best mark by a tight end in history with 45 or more targets. That's pretty damn good. The problem was his 9.3 yards per catch, which ranked 23rd at the position. So he was pretty reliable as a safety valve for quarterback Matt Ryan last season. The playmaking ability just wasn't there. So for NFL purposes, he was getting it done doing his job, what normal tight ends do. He just, you know, he's not going to do it for you for fantasy. I'll be honest with you. He has no after the catch abilities, in my opinion. Nope. As a Falcons fan watching him, he's just <laughs> very unelusive. He's really not even that strong. He has that famous stiff arm against the Chicago Bears. Really lucky. The D-back kind of like terrible tackle. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it was just, <laughs> it was really hilarious. But he's got no after the catch abilities. So like you said, more of a safety blanket kind of guy. I'll let you take this next guy because I know he broke oh, your geez. heart. Number seven, Trey Burton. Go ahead, take him away. Trey Burton is 100% a player that broke my heart in 2018. I thought he was the perfect fit for Matt Nagy's offense, especially having experience coaching an athletic tight end in Travis Kelsey during his time with the Chiefs. But that was just not the case. Burton failed to surpass 40 yards in 13 of his games played last season. You don't need me to tell you that that's not going to cut it. And the Bears were solid on offense, so it's not like Burton was misused. And the signs seemed to be pointing up for him. He was brought in and paid to be the guy. It just didn't happen. Really, no, I really don't have any other explanation for you. I thought uh, I did my due diligence there, and he seemed like an upside guy. You know, he did finish number seven, but again, at the tight end position, he really didn't win anybody any leagues or weeks, for that matter. Yeah, no doubt. And at this point, like, pretty much all of these guys are in the same boat, like, Yes, they're in the top 12 of their position, but this position is really ugly. Hence why I'm a huge advocate for getting rid of the tight end position and adding a flex position to your fantasy league. Guys, consider it. Please, I'm actually talking directly to my our own league here, telling them directly, we got to change that rule. Tight ends, no good for fantasy. Dude, get rid of the tight end position. I'm not saying that you can't. In the flex position, you can still play a tight end. So, Travis Kelsey, who is a solid fantasy player, it doesn't matter about position, he's a solid fantasy player, will still hold value. Guys like Kittle and Ertz who have high targets, high production levels, they will still hold value. But you're not forced to play them. I'm not going to lie, like I'm opposed to that. Maybe we'll have to implement that in our home league uh, this next season. But up next, number eight, a guy that I'm a huge fan of, being a Notre Dame alum, Kyle Rudolph, the tight end eight finish for Rudolph really is not an accurate representation of, of how he performed for fantasy in two, 2018. He was essentially unusable as the tight end 22 from weeks five through 15 before a 28.7 point explosion in week 16 shot him back up into the top 10. Definitely a little unexpected. His red zone usage was pretty non-existent with Kirk Cousins behind center who seemed to have better chemistry with both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Both of those wide receivers registered four receiving touchdowns from within the five-yard line. Those crucial opportunities where Rudolph used to provide his value just weren't there last season. Yeah, he was never really a big yardage guy. He really got it done near the goal line or in the red zone and 
when those opportunities go away for a player like that, it's going to get real ugly real quick for his fantasy production. And now coming in at number nine, we have Browns tight end David Njoku. And there were some moments in 2018 where Njoku did show some promise, but he ultimately ended the season with 35 or fewer yards in seven of his games played. Not going to cut it when you have just four touchdowns on the season. And his outlook for 2019, certainly not any prettier now with the addition of Odell Beckham Jr. I wouldn't really count him out. I would think the offense is definitely going to go in the direction of a pass-heavy offense with Baker Mayfield and a dynamic pass catching trio in Najoku, OBJ, and Landry. I think that's a dynamic trio. You can move all three of them all over the field and really game plan and get some mismatches. Najoku wasn't everything you wished he would be in 2018, but I still think the arrow is pointing up for him because he is a talented player, and I think he offers a lot of upside even with the guys that he has on his team. At number 10, Vance McDonald. Also, with just four touchdowns on the season, McDonald had 30 or fewer yards in seven of his games played. Luckily, things get a little more exciting with these last five guys we're going to discuss here because Vance McDonald really is not a guy that we want to be talking about for fantasy purposes. He's more of a plug-and-play type of option than a consistent draft-eligible tight end. And here, coming in at number 11, we have to say goodbye to one of the greatest tight ends of all time and that's Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski. Of course he announced his retirement and in my opinion he was the best all-around tight end of all time. I know you can make the case for Tony Gonzalez especially as a receiver but regardless of where you land on Rob Gronkowski he had an incredible career. He's an amazing player, an amazing personality and he was truly a pleasure to watch but Unfortunately, his 2018 season was not very impressive, especially for fantasy, when you consider that he was drafted in the late second, early third round. And it's not fun to say this, but he likely crushed you in fantasy. Whenever he was healthy based off of his name and where you likely drafted him, you probably felt like you had to start him and he just wasn't coming through. He scored eight and a half less fantasy points against top 16 pass defenses. So you really, he did have some solid games, but you never knew when he was going to come through for you. And you always felt like you were going to have to start him. So a down year for Rob Gronkowski, but a great career nonetheless. And I'm happy to see him hang it up. I mean, a guy with his body type and the type of agility that he displayed on the field, that's really not supposed to happen. So when you play the way he does, big guys fall hard, man. And people were chopping at his legs every single week and he was just tired of being hurt I'm sure he you know what else does he have to prove and he ended his career on a high note so I'm happy for the guy and he'll go and be super gronk he'll end up in a movie somewhere yeah, as a superhero of course, of course. <laughs> he has a he has a lucrative career ahead of him so I'm not feeling bad about this retirement at all I think he hung it up at the right time and it's going to be sad to not see him on the field but I'm happy to see him go out the way he did up next is a guy that I'm going to make a very, very bold prediction and say that, yes, he was a tight end this past season, but I think this upcoming season, he will be switched. He will be considered a wide receiver. They will change him on the depth chart. I think the New York Giants go and draft a tight end in the offseason this year. And so we're obviously talking about former, I'm going to say former, Giants tight end, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram struggled to carry the momentum from his impressive rookie campaign in 2018 but a lot of that had to do with injuries Ingram played just 11 games but when he was on the field he was the tight end seven in points per game and he averaged almost seven points per game when OBJ was out like I said I think it's a smart move I think they should draft a guy like TJ Hawkinson maybe with the 17th overall pick something like that 
and just really switch Ingram, who ran, runs a 4-4 at 6-4 like Julio Jones. Just put him on the outside where he belongs and let him be, beat number one cornerbacks because I believe he can do it. And he might not be as good as OBJ. He might not be as explosive after the catch, but he gives you a big body option. And he's a wide receiver. Stop playing games. He's a wide receiver. He can't block. He should never be in tight. He is a liability <laughs> next to an offensive tackle. So I would not put him there. That's my hot take. Take it what you will. At the end of the offseason, Evan Ingram, the number one wide receiver on the Giants' depth chart. I thought you were going to say the number one wide receiver in football. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh no. man. But no, Ingram really did step it up as, as a pass catcher over the second half of the 2018 season. From weeks 1 to 9, Ingram caught just 35 of 54 targets. That's 68% for 338 yards and averaged just .84 yards per route run. However, from weeks 10 to 17, Ingram caught 28 of 38 targets, that's 73.7%, for 432 yards, averaging 3.04 yards per route run. That was the second best rate among tight ends during that span. And that increase in productivity had a lot to do with his work after the catch. Ingram averaged a ridiculous 10 yards after the catch in his final eight games, compared to just 6.5 yards after the catch in his first nine. And a lot of that had to do with Odell Beckham Jr. going down with injury as well. A little bit more opportunity for him, some better opportunities as well. So I think the arrow is definitely pointing up for Ingram. It'll be interesting to see how he's worked in with Golden Tate. But like you said, if they move him to the outside, I do think that's where he belongs and where he would excel. And now moving right along to our number 13 tight end on the season. This is Buccaneers tight end OJ Howard. He played just 10 games, but Howard was impressive when he was on the field, finishing fourth at the position in consistency. And he's just a physical freak. I'm really excited to see what he'll be able to do if he manages to stay healthy. We spoke about the importance of yards per route run for pass catchers on last week's episode and how it translates well to high levels of production. And we also mentioned that OJ Howard, along with Zach Ertz and Travis Kelsey, they're the only three tight ends to average more than 1.85 yards per route run over the last two years. So hopefully some big things ahead for the young tight end. And I also want to silence this now. I know the big argument against OJ Howard being a viable fantasy option in 2018 is that Bruce Arians has historically not utilized his tight ends in his offenses, but he's also never had a tight end like OJ Howard. That's like saying Adam Gase doesn't get a lot of production from his running backs and he's not going to use Le'Veon Bell this year. Not to say that OJ Howard's on the same level as Le'Veon Bell, but coaches are going to adjust for the personnel that they have. And Bruce Arians is a smart guy, and I definitely expect him to use a talented pass catcher on his offense. No, absolutely. And quite frankly, yeah, you can design plays, you can write up whatever you want, but when shit hits the fan in any given play, in any given situation, you have to find somebody open. And a lot of times, that is the closest guy to you, a reliable, you know, big body, the tight end, comfortable, easy throw. Something that Jameis Winston should definitely get used to because he's way too risky with the football, throwing a ton of interceptions. So he should become very familiar with O.J. Howard. Anyway, moving on, number 14, Jimmy Graham. The last guy will really break down. And there's not much to say about Jimmy Graham, but at 32 years old, after dealing with foot injuries that would have ended the careers of a lot of different players, it's impressive that he's even still out there on the field and coming in as a top 15 option. But he's just not the same athlete that used to put up yardage seasons back in New Orleans. We saw back in 2017 with the Seahawks that Graham still had some viability in the red zone. But with the Packers in a year where Aaron Rodgers threw just 25 touchdowns, 13 of those going to Devontae Adams, it's not much of a surprise that it didn't work out for fantasy football. 
And I actually would expect him to have a little bit of a better season next year. Just because I do think Aaron Rodgers had a down season last year with only 25 touchdowns. If Rodgers throws for 40 touchdowns like he normally does, and that's an extra 15 touchdowns to go around, I do think some of those do find their way to Jimmy Graham. And I don't think Devonta Adams gets, you know, 10 more touchdowns. I think, you know, he probably gets one or two more and everybody else starts to really cash in in that in that situation. And we decided to cut this list off with one more tight end coming in at number 15. We have Jets tight end Chris Herndon. After this point, it really just gets to guys that you can hardly even stream on a week-to-week basis. But I do think Chris Herndon is worth mentioning. The rookie tight end didn't get much playing time until week six. But from that point on, he was the tight end eight for fantasies. So a pretty noteworthy season for the young tight end. We usually don't see rookies perform. I know Evan Ingram was the anomaly last year. And I would have been very excited for Herndon this year. I still think maybe a late round flyer if you want to take the chance. But bringing in Jamison Crowder, who's going to be playing in the slot, Le'Veon Bell catching passes out of the backfield. I do think it's going to be tough to see Herndon really break out and get a decent number of targets, especially now that Sam Darnold is going to have other reliable pass catching options. But, you know, if you want to take a flyer on him, he's going to be cheap. I really don't see anything wrong with that. But we'll get to our rankings and late round flyers in a few months. It's still April, kind of early to be talking about. No, but I I agree. I think Herndon is a guy to keep an eye on going forward. He's an interesting prospect for next season because because he did flash in 2018 and a quarterback like Sam Darnold is going to throw a ton and like I said just the tight end position in general it's a close option a safety blanket you know a young quarterback like Sam Darnold he should become familiar with that position and maybe build some chemistry with Chris Herndon even though they brought in guys like Jameson Crowder and Le'Veon Bell maybe there's a little chemistry a little something working there so definitely somebody I would keep an eye on for next season and just while we're talking tight ends and we didn't have much to talk about I'll mention a couple of guys in the draft class this season that would be a great idea to keep an eye on because all four of these guys Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson both from Iowa Daniel Jeremiah of NFL has both of these guys ranked inside their top 15 with Hawkinson coming in at 5 and Fant coming in at 15. Fant is a pure receiving tight end, and TJ Hawkinson is an all-around stud on the football field. Both crushed their combined workouts, taking first and second, respectively, in three out of the five workouts you see above, with only one finished by TJ outside the top three. And his sixth-ranked 40 time at his strength was very impressive. TJ is a capable pass catcher and a prolific blocker. Dominates the edge in the run game, which will be a huge at the next level, doing the dirty work, quote-unquote. As for Fant, he did exactly what he needed to do as a vertical deep passing threat. He needed to show out as an athlete, and he did just that, taking his four out of five categories at the NFL Combine. Noah's 4.540 showed you at the tight end position he can really burn, and that creates mismatches. So look for both of these guys to come off the board within the first round and a half in the upcoming draft at the end of the month, and also be automatic impact players at the tight end position for fantasy football next season. And there you have it, guys. The tight end position from 2018 is officially wrapped up. We can put that behind us until it's time to project for fantasy going forward. And this also wraps up the entire Under the Microscope series. I highly suggest if you haven't caught every single one of these episodes, go back and check them out. We did quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers, and now tight ends as well. And what we really did was just give a very in-depth look at how players truly performed, not 
not just based off their end of season stats and why those things may or may not have happened for each player to kind of help you get a clearer picture of 2018 to help you when it comes time for your 2019 fantasy drafts have a better idea of these players and their situations I think some of the most valuable episodes for fantasy that we've done yet and I hope that if you guys have listened along you've thought they were valuable as well but thank you guys so much for tuning in as always follow us at football md pod on instagram twitter and facebook and head over to footballmdpodcast.com This weekend, we're going to be having Mock Draft 2.0. Dan's been working really hard on this. He told me he's going to have every single pick right, and I cannot wait. It's going to be an awesome article to read, and I just put some high expectations out there for you. Every single pick. Hold on. Did you know that, like, mathematically speaking, getting every pick right in a Mock Draft would literally be more difficult than getting a perfect bracket in the March Madness tournament? That's how difficult that would be. I, I think you got it, man. Yeah, I mean, okay. you've been taking enough time on Literally it. You've, been has never happened. you've Literally. kept us waiting long enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really am excited for this article, though. It's going to give some awesome insights into some of the top prospects and where the best fits for them will be in the NFL. It's going to be very informative, so make sure that you guys are checking that out at footballmdpodcast.com this weekend. And as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks, guys. Until next time. <laughs>